I want to recognize one of our sponsors. Have you ever felt like a lone wolf in life, unable to engage in chats around the barbecue since you're doing things that aren't the norm? Enter GoBundance, a place where driven entrepreneurs, CEOs, or investors who are beginning to experience an interesting phenomenon with more success in life, the feeling of a gap forming between ourselves and many of the people around us. One day, we wake up and find ourselves surrounded by people who may no longer see the world the same way we do. As the trend continues, we become more isolated and even find ourselves holding back from talking about things we are most excited about with friends, family, or coworkers. Cobundance was created for those who choose to live bigger and more fulfilled lives of impact. This tribe is for men and women who want to experience world-class adventure, bucketless trips, high-minded conversations, authentic relationships, and an environment to learn and grow with like-minded people. GoBundance is a tribe where you are able to share your successes, struggles, ambitions, and failures without being judged. It's a framework to strengthen your journey in becoming a better man, husband, father, friend, and entrepreneur. It is the place men come together to live epic lives and to grab life big. If you want to learn more, go to GoBundance.com and hit the apply button to join the tribe and tell them the Cashflow Ninja sent you. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. This is Cashflow Ninja. I'm MC Lobster. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. Appreciate you spending your most valuable resource, your time, once again with me on the show. Everything Cashflow Ninja is at CashflowNinja.com. That's the center of our universe. There's over 850 podcasts on there, tools, resources, programs, and you can grab a copy of my book, The 21 Best Cashflow Niches. It's at CashflowNinja.com or on Amazon available. When you do grab a copy, screenshot a proof of your purchase, send it to my team at info at cashflowninja.com, and we'll give you access to a digital version if you want to read it on a Kindle, an audio version if you want to listen to it while you're driving or working out, and a curated library of interviews uh, that we put together with the ninjas talking about the niches in the book, um, and we'll also throw in some more bonus goodies. I have a fantastic show for you. Today, joined by a returning guest, Keith Weinold from Get Rich Education. Keith, great to see you. MC, it's been a few years since I've been here. Thanks so much for having me back. Absolutely. Now, for folks that are not familiar with, uh, with you and what you do, can you please share a little bit about your background for all of our new listeners out there? Sure. I began maybe a lot like your listeners can begin every day. I bought a fourplex building. I didn't have a lot of money with just a three and a half percent down payment. I used that to live in one unit, rent out the other three and grow and expand my portfolio just buy and hold style without adding much of my own money through doing things like cash out refinances and 1031 exchanges to a multi-million dollar portfolio in multiple states. I write real estate articles for Forbes, 
And I have my own educational platform where I tell people how they can build real wealth in the real world with real estate. Awesome. Um, by the way, we've had Keith on before. If you haven't heard him before, please check out the previous episodes that uh, we did with him. That's also available at, at cashflowninja.com. Of course, just put in Keith Weinel or Get Rich Education and you'll find um, the links to uh, Keith's previous appearances here. Um, what have you been up to, my friend? And what are the things that are you're excited about these days and on your radar? Yeah, well, an awful lot. Um, I've been doing a lot more media appearances, a lot more uh, television appearances and so on. I've been doing a lot more with, with video on YouTube and so on. But I've really been helping people in the very interesting market that we're in. And, you know, it's, it's funny, MC. People always talk about how times are uncertain. Even back in 2019, people were calling them uncertain times, and they had no idea what was coming at them the following year in 2020. And so much has changed in our real estate world since then. And, you know, really two things I've been helping people with MC and helping them wrap their head around is number one, a housing crash is certain, an absolute 100% certainty in the near term here. And the second thing is, in these high inflationary times, like the pandemic helped fuel, you as an everyday individual investor can not only be um, impoverished by real estate, like a, uh, by inflation rather, like a lot of people are, but you can actually profit with inflation three ways at the same time with real estate. I call that the inflation triple crown. So those are two things I've really been helping people with, the housing crash and the inflation triple crown. No, uh, and I'm excited to talk about these two things with you. Let's let's dive into the, the housing crash, why it is 100% certain. What are you seeing out there? What is this new housing market? And I know every area is different and, and, and is... Um, has its own dynamics, but what are you seeing out there in, in the housing? The important thing to remember is the reason that I say a housing crash is a 100% certainty, and maybe you, the listener, the viewer, are thinking, what, you know, what are you, clairvoyant or something? I mean, who really knows beyond the, the shred of any semblance of doubt that there's a housing crash imminent? That is because the housing crash, it already took place. It happened about two years ago in April of 2020. So if we back up a little bit, the pandemic wrought unprecedented changes really in how people live every day. And the short story is it increased the demand for homes. Uh, back in 2019, a home is not too much more when a per where a person uh, lived and slept and recreated with the changes that the pandemic brought. Now it's also where you live and sleep and recreate, but people are more likely with what's happened with supply chains in the world to have their own garden or have their own greenhouse or work from home or homeschool their children. So the short story is, is this heightened the demand for real estate and the supply crash that I talk about, this limited supply, that occurred in April of 2020. Now, there are a bunch of measures of the amount of available homes in the United States. But if we just look at the FRED data, the active listing count, and by the way, sometimes you might see that acronym FRED around when you look at different data, that just stands for Federal Reserve Economic Data. Over the long term, we've had a million and a half homes available and listed on the market. 
we're currently below 400,000. We only have about one quarter as much supply as what we need in order to meet this heightened demand, this heightened utility value that a home has. Utility just means usefulness. So a home is more useful. There's more demand, there's less supply. With what happened in April of 2020, that's when the housing supply failed to make its seasonal rebound. Typically in the spring, these active listings go up. It actually began to go down in April of 2020 and fall precipitously, such that it fell about 60% with the available supply of homes from April to 2020 until the present day. I mean, you talk about a crash. A lot of people consider a crash as a loss in value of more than 20%. This is a loss in supply of over 60%. So I'm really not trying to be hyperbolic when I say that the housing crash already occurred. It was a supply crash, not a price crash. No price crash is expected in part due to the low supply. And look, a housing supply crash, that's worse than a price crash. You know, a price crash might mean, well, a homeowner's home fell, so that's only worth 80% of what they bought it for. But a supply crash is worse. We have trouble housing our own people. That increases the homelessness rate. That creates people to double up in homes and actually sacrifice the quality of life due to this low supply of housing, this housing supply crash. This is a real problem. And you know, it's pretty remarkable, MC. Think about it. We put a man on the moon in the year 1969, but today we have trouble housing the, the Martinson family or the Joneses right here in our own nation. You know, people that have jobs and have income. So the short story is, is that the housing crash already occurred. It occurred in April of 2020. And that low supply keeps the pressure on prices. When you have a low supply, you might have 10 or 20 bidders for a home. And that's exactly the mechanism that increases prices. Because when you have multiple bidders for just one available property, that's when the sale price exceeds the asking price. I want to recognize one of our sponsors. Recently, I had a very engaging and exciting podcast conversation that is one of the most downloaded episodes of this year with my friend, Louis O'Connor. The subject was owning rare earth metals as tangible assets. It's the same paradigm as owning gold or silver, but instead you own industrial grade, high quality rare earth metals that you are purchasing from a premier industry supplier. And the exit for the investor is also guaranteed. One of the most interesting things about this asset clause is that rare earths outperform the stock market and precious metals for the past five years. Unfortunately, there is only a limited amount available to private investors. If you would like to find out more about this exciting and limited opportunity, then please go directly to the website, www.strategicmetalsinvest.com or email them at info at strategicmetalsinvest.com. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there and, and very yeah. well said. Um, so the supply, not, not enough supply, huge demand, especially in certain markets because there's massive migration trends. That was in these trends were in motion prior to 2020. <laughs> they were just amplified uh, with the events of 2020. But another thing that um, 
I saw too was the amount of capital that was available. So even folks that had a primary residence were now looking at the uncertainty of the market and, and the stock market and all the other asset classes and they go, well, what do I do? Maybe I just position this capital in a, in a second home or a third home or a fourth home, right? So you had that kind of capital coming in too. Oh, that's right. You bring up a really good point, MC. There are a few layers to this and what helps drive this demand and continue to constrain the supply. Part of it is you touched on it. Some people want to buy a second home, whether they use that as a vacation home or whether they use that as a rental. But the point is, is they're keeping their first home. They're not putting that one on the market, further constraining supply. That listing never takes place because they got such a low mortgage interest rate. Now that interest rates are up, they know that they can't get that. So they want to keep that rate in place. Further constraining supply, now that we're in this environment of higher interest rates, and really another layer, and this is something that transcends the pandemic because this occurred prior to pandemic times, but it continues to go on now, is the demographic piece. Millennials are the largest age group of the United States, even bigger than the baby boomers. And within the millennials, those in their mid to late 30s are the most populous cohort in the entire nation. Well, those people in their mid to late 30s, they're in what demographers call prime household formation years. Whether those people want to rent or whether those people want to own, they just want to be independent. They want to be out of the house. That's part of what's really pushing this demand is demographics that are coming from millennials. So it's not completely supply and demand, but that is most of the piece. That's why demand is continued expected to continue to be high and supply low, continuing to put that pressure on prices. Uh, What are you seeing with interest rates now rising? Because this is bringing in an interesting ingredient to this brew, which we're cooking up, Uh, because we've had very low interest rates. Folks were able to lock it in. And of course, that helped uh, these massive prices that people were paying, um, you know, in in for 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 housing. What, What do you see? with regards to interest rates and as they keep rising, what uh, impact does that have? Yeah, that's a good point because interest rates have risen so sharply in such a short period of time. And this is important because actually people oftentimes look at the capital price of a home, but people don't actually buy a home based on its price. They buy a home based on the affordability of the payment. And the affordability of the payment has to do with price and interest rate in inflation, in income, and a whole lot of other things. So I think that price growth is going to slow. I've said across my media, I expect the housing appreciation rate, my best guess is that it's only going to appreciate at about half the rate that it did last year. Last year, housing in the United States appreciated 18 to 20%. The Case-Shiller number was about 19%. That's why this year, I only expect 9 to 10% home price appreciation. Supply is going to continue to stay low. That's an inelastic condition. It's just too difficult to bring enough supply on the market for years. It's going to take years to get over this. But at some point, an affordability constraint is going to be reached. And that's why I see home price appreciation this year continuing to be greater than historic norms of about 5% but probably only about half of this year's. You're probably going to have fewer bidders instead of 20 bidders for a home. It might now be eight bidders for a home uh, helping to fuel a bidding war. 
And this is really most hurtful to those wannabe first time home buyers that are just trying to patch together a 20% down payment. And they thought they could afford, say, a 400K starter home. But now with higher mortgage interest rates, they're not able to do that. That removes them from that buyer pool and it puts them into the renter pool or it keeps them in that renter pool. So that's what I see happening in light of higher mortgage interest rates. Continued appreciation higher than normal, but not as great as last year. Um, and then also it's interesting to just look at some of the, the data too. It looks like, and, and these were the trends that were in motion, the, the migration trends. People were moving from New York, New Jersey, Illinois, California, you know, the favorite states to pick on. And they were going to Texas, to Florida, to Arizona. There were different states that they were moving to. So you had all massive migration trends. And it would what do you what are you seeing? Are we going to reach a point where the folks that wanted to move and could move financially? sort of have moved and now that starts to slow down or as things worsen in the states where folks were moving from and leaving from anyway, that's just going to accelerate. What what are you seeing? Yeah, I think that's really hard to say with these accelerating migration trends to the places that people kind of always wanted to live, but now they found a way that they can do that. Yeah, it's really hard to say if that trend is going to pick up from this point or whether it's going to decrease. But I can confirm what you've already said. Yeah, in, indeed, this has increased uh, the in-migration on a per capita basis to places like Florida and to places like Texas. It's just so obvious. If you can rent a 2,000-square-foot single-family home in a Jacksonville or Tampa or Orlando submarket, or where you were paying three or $4,000 for a studio apartment in the Tribeca section of Manhattan of New York, and you couldn't figure out how to work remotely before, you sure can do that now. And you know, it's kind of funny, MC, like Zoom has been around for many years. Yeah, But it's only this like work from home fact that people were forced to work from home that made this trend, you know, almost ubiquitous and made everyone become familiar with it. So yeah, we're certainly seeing that. And I am the beneficiary of that. I mean, I invest across state lines in the states that make the most sense, that tend to be investor advantaged, uh, that have a high ratio of rent income to purchase price and have laws that are more uh, landlord friendly than tenant friendly, exactly places like Texas and Florida. So yeah, that certainly has been the trend. But yeah, as far as the rate picking up in the future, yeah, I'm I'm unsure. Yeah. It you know what's interesting about the economy too is I mean it's fascinating to see because essentially it's all gone virtual now and digital. So folks can live where they wanted to live uh and work from there. So if they want you know you no longer have to live in New York City to work for a New York City based firm. Um, so that's been interesting. The job market is, is, I mean, if you're an employer, what a great time. You can find the best talent around the world. The world is your pool of uh, that you can hire talent from, right? And if you're looking for employment or even a subcontractor, as most things are these days, uh, the world is literally uh, <laughs> the, the, the pool of opportunities that exist to you. And you can live where you want to um, and 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 also travel, um, essentially go on vacation where you want to in the United States. Obviously, overseas, it's a, it's a little bit different. So it's interesting to see how this factors into markets and where folks are moving to uh, with all these friendlier, you know, freedom climate. Uh, let me just put it that way. Um, 
So it's been fascinating to see how this develops. Yep. People are truly voting with their feet. Yeah, 100 percent. And hey, I mean, if we are the land of the free, that's a good thing. That gives you options, which really is a, a proxy for, for freedom. Absolutely. So another trend uh, and narrative that we've seen is the amount of uh, fiat currency creation global. Oh. And th- again, this was already happening at a, re- a record pace. Uh, prior to 2020, it just essentially uh, put a big brick on the gas pedal uh, when it comes to fiat currency creation. Talk a little bit about the, uh, just what you've seen with regards to the fiat currency creation, how this played into the economy, eventually uh, touching the narrative of, of inflation. I want to take a moment to recognize one of our sponsors, one of the best cash flow niches. Might surprise you. It's the cash flow machine called Resort Hospitality. Our friends and partners, Melanie and Josh McCallan from Accountable Equity, are so prolific at creating cash flow for their investors that I had to include them twice in my book, The 21 Best Cash Flow Niches. Something that really impresses me about this dynamic group is that more than just creating cash flow, with these historic trophy resort properties, they are also creating a powerful investor community with an accountable equity. Investors not only get to enjoy cash flow from beautiful resorts, but can enjoy the resorts and attend Learn and Grow Investor Summits, where like-minded accredited investors gather to learn from keynote speakers, as well as get updates on their projects and meet the growing team that makes all of this possible. You can learn more how the asset clause of resort hospitality is a great way to diversify your multifamily investments by downloading the ebook, The 10 Steps to Build Wealth with Resort Hospitality Assets at accountableequity.com. Yeah, to help pave over the problems that the pandemic wrought, The United States, through the Federal Reserve, has printed unprecedented volumes of dollars, trillions of dollars injected into the economy with social programs, with infrastructure improvements, and so on. I think most everyone's aware of that. And actually, you know, what's a funny thing, MC? A lot of the same people uh, about a year and a half or two years ago that wanted to get paid to stay at home which means dollars come into the economy, but yet nothing gets produced. <laughs> a lot of those are the same people that are now complaining that their gasoline has gone from $3 up to $4, or their Chipotle burrito has gone from $8 to $9. You know, oftentimes yep. this is the very same group of people. So that's highly inflationary when people are paid to stay at home because that means they're not producing anything, which reduces the supply of what is made and produced for society. And that increases the amount of dollars, more dollars chasing fewer goods, a classic recipe for really high inflation. So, I mean, if we talk about what inflation is, um, you know, at its root, I, I think it's interesting to discuss, you know, the etymology and where the meaning of words come from. Really, the definition of an inflation has morphed over time. The word inflation means an expansion of the money supply. That's really the classic definition. But with the way that people use the term inflation today, it's really come to be known as the effect of this expansion of the money supply, this effect of inflation, 
which really is the diminished purchasing power of the dollar. That's the best short definition for what inflation is today. And yeah, you mentioned MC pre-pandemic. We still had inflation. That was still apparent. In fact, the, the Fed for years had a target rate of about 2% inflation. Um, mm-hmm. They've raised the ceiling on that a little bit lately. And inflation was really quite mild up through 2019 until 2020. And now we see CPI inflation between 8 and 9 percent due to all this money printing. And I'm just citing the most commonly stated number, which is the CPI, the consumer price inflation. And by the way, you can always follow that at bls.gov slash CPI. If you, the listener, the viewer are interested in that here, it's kind of a a wonky uh, government site that's not too user friendly, but that's where you can follow it. Most economists and anyone that's looked at the basket of goods that are in the CPI agree that with the way that the weighting of the basket and other factors have changed, that 8 to 9% CPI inflation that we've had lately is massively understated. If you look at the way inflation was calculated back about 40 years ago, which was about the last period of time where we had high inflation, oh, they have diluted that measure so much that most any economist that's looked at that believes that the true diminished purchasing power of the dollar today is something like 15%. That's very easy to believe. And the reason that inflation is a problem for the everyday investor, and and this is really lost on a lot of people, MC, it's only now that people start to realize that their dollar isn't going as far. But to define the problem, if you put a dollar in your wallet one year ago, that same dollar, if you kept it there, that only has 90 cents of purchasing power today. And if you continue to keep that dollar there in your wallet at this rate, it's only going to have about 80 cents of purchasing power next year. I'm just using 10% as a number between the CPI and the true rate of inflation. 10% is just a very easy number for us to work with here. And, you know, a lot of people respond to this um, if they're even aware of it by doing things like, well, maybe they'll they'll read about um, how they can try to get their employer to give them a raise and talk about how inflation is higher and, you know, basically hope that someone else is just going to give them a raise to keep them commensurate with inflation. That hasn't been happening. Wages have only been increasing at about 5%. I just told you the rate of inflation is 8, 9, or even 15%. I'm just using 10% inflation now, just as a nice round number to work with. Well, that is a loss in your quality of life because your dollar does not go as far anymore. So that's the real problem. And a lot of people, if they're even aware of it, you know, maybe the best purchase decision they can make is uh, maybe they'll say, well, they'll buy a new refrigerator this year so that they don't have to pay maybe 10% more for it next year. So really all you're doing then is hedging inflation. It's a rather defensive position. I'd like to tell you later about how you can go on the offense and actually profit from inflation. But if I could leave you with one last point on the destructive forces of inflation are really what this means is that everyday people, they actually now need a second job rather than just one job. And I don't mean that in the literal sense, Here's what I mean. You know, a lot of people, um, MC, they might be like, um, well, why can't I just do my job for 40 hours a week as a, a dentist or a bookkeeper, as an Uber driver? Why can't I just work my full time job and I'll use the income from that job to pay my expenses? And then with whatever is left over, I can just go ahead and save that. And if I just save enough money in a bank account, 
you know, someday I'll have enough there so I can retire and I don't have to be a dentist or a bookkeeper or an Uber driver for the rest of my life. Well, that model's broken because the store of value component of dollars has been broken. You can't just save. So with what I'm talking about with a second job is when you're done during the day being that dentist or bookkeeper or Uber driver, you have to now go be an investor. That's your second job. You have to invest those dollars. You can't just save them or they're being diminished at a rate of something like 10% per year right now. So job number one is your day job. And job number two is being an investor. It actually means that you need a second job or you're just having what you worked for, this savings, be debased. You can't just passively let that happen. No, absolutely not. And the numbers too, like you were saying, if you just take the official government numbers, and let's say it's between eight or 9%, economists such as John Williams at Shadowstats believe calculating it the way that it was before all of the shenanigans started. I always say, when you torture data, it confesses. So before they started to torture data, It's around 16%, but also by their deeds, you shall know them. So when politicians in, in, in D.C. gives their staffers and lawyers and folks working inside the Beltway a raise of 21% in one of the latest bills, now you look at this and go, hmm, interesting. So around 8 to 9%, 16% is what John Williams is saying at Shadowstats, but it's more, even if you add a little buffer of 5%, 21 percent is is the raise that they're getting um, folks living there. So it's clearly out there for folks to uh, for folks to see. And to your point uh, of becoming an investor, you know, we had a classic Cantillion effect in 2020. I always say to folks that you almost don't have to read the the the, wor- uh, the work of, of Richard Cantillion. Well, he was French, so we call him Richard. But you almost don't have to read his work. You could just actually look at what happened, where you had this massive increase in currency supply, which isn't by the very definition in in inflation. And what happened? What did the different characters in this environment do? Well, just as, as, as Richard Cantillion saw, the folks closest position to positions of power, government, on the inside, well, what did they do? Well, they took this newly created currency, they had access to the trough first, and some of them leveraged it to acquire more lending and even make that their piece a little bit bigger, but they also positioned themselves in assets as investors. So they either had hard assets, real estate, or they acquired businesses. Um, and then, of course, you know, you get the, 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 the folks closest to the position of power enjoying the newly created currency first, and then it goes through the rest of the economy. It circles and it hits the middle class. And as you mentioned, what do you do? Well, your cost of living is now up significantly. Do you get your 5% increase from your employer and that bumps you into the next tax bracket? So now you're taking home even less. Um, That's why the game's designed that way. Um, Or do you look at what the folks were doing that were getting access to this newly created currency first? So by the time it gets to, unfortunately, the folks at the the bottom rung on the economic ladder, they just see prices of everything around them increase and then also the goods of services. So the ultra wealthy folks that are getting access to it first, 
they benefit from asset inflation and, of course, also from price inflation through their businesses. And, of course, the middle class is the, is, is the area getting squeezed significantly. And then the folks um, at the bottom rung in the, on the economic ladder, they essentially, I mean, see everything that they need for survival, whether it be food, whether it be clothing, or it would be rent skyrocketing. So it's almost, if you look at it, if you take a step back, I would say like, man, you don't even have to read his work. You just basically saw uh, this, this on display, but you have a very good strategy uh, of, of going on the offense. So why don't you jump into that and share a little bit about this inflation triple crown uh, that, uh, that you're excited to share? I want to take a moment to recognize one of our sponsors. My friend Dave Zook says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. At The Real Asset Investor, Dave and his team bring their investors high-yield investment opportunities across several asset classes for cash flow, tax impact, and equity growth. He and his team are one of the top five ATM operators in the country, and they have an investment opportunity available to accredited investors right now in the ATM space. To learn more about their ATM funds that produce tax-free cash flow, visit therealassetinvestor.com. Oh, you bring up so many good points there. Um, and John Williams, I think it's shadowstats.com is the name of yep. his website. What he does is tries to real reconstruct the true diminished purchasing power of the dollar based on how the CPI was calculated 30 and 40 years ago. I've talked to John Williams before. Yep. But yeah, you bring up the Cantillion effect. When money is printed, those closest to the money are the ones that have the wherewithal to buy assets to actually benefit from inflation, where those consumers on the other end um, you know, have it debased. The Uber driver that now has to substitute chicken for steak or something like that. They're on the other end of that. So how can we, as an everyday investor, just an everyday person with pretty average means, how can you get closer to the money printer and really get closer on that Cantillion effect, get closer on that chain to being the beneficiary and use inflation as a wealth creation rather than a wealth debasement measure? And there are a few different ways in order to hedge yourself against inflation. Some people like to buy Bitcoin. If you think that's an inflation hedge, it's somewhat of a debate right now. Uh, people like Bitcoin because it has a fixed supply of 21 million. It only has an inflation rate of 1.7% right now. Gold is the classic inflation hedge. It's one of the few things that's had value for millennia. The supply isn't quite fixed, but it only increases at 1% to 2% per year. But those are ways to hedge yourself against inflation. But hedging is being defensive with real estate, my favorite asset to invest in in inflationary times. You can actually benefit from inflation three ways at the same time, which is what I call the inflation triple crown. You can do that when you buy an income producing piece of real estate with a loan. You actually win. You actually profit from inflation three ways at the same time. And this is something available to everyday people. It's something I've been doing for years. The three crowns in the inflation triple crown are price inflation, because it actually benefits you in this case, debt debasement, and then the third is cash flow enhancement. 
just to use some really simple examples, we'll stick with that 10% inflation. Let's just say you have a million dollars worth of real estate that you purchase with a 20% down payment. That's usually the down payment you need to make if you don't occupy the property yourself. And that million dollars, hey, a million dollars ain't what it used to be, you know? So this is a 200K down payment. That's all that's coming out of your pocket. It's still a pretty significant investment. That might be an apartment building. And MCA used to say, oh, that's about five like single family rental homes. Well, maybe that's three today. But in any case, with a million dollars in real estate, if you have 10% inflation and the real estate value just tracks that, well, now you have a million point one, $1.1 million worth of real estate. And maybe you're thinking, okay, well, aren't I right back where I started? Because now I have 10% more dollars but each dollar is worth 10% less. And the answer is actually no, you're not right back where you started. Because remember, you purchased this with the loan. So you only put 200K into it. So with your $100,000 increase in the overall value of your real estate, your equity position, your down payment just went from 200K up to 300K. That's a 50% rate of return on your skin in the game even though inflation was only 10%. And some people are like, well, wait, how did that happen? That's because you got a 10% return on both your 200K down payment and the 800K borrowed from the bank. That's your return, not the bank's. That's part of the concept of financial leverage. You had five to one leverage, a 50% gain, even though inflation was just 10%. That's how price inflation benefits you. The second crown of the inflation triple crown, debt debasement, let's just say it's a different example when you have a million dollars in debt. Well, a 10% inflation on your million dollars in fixed interest rate debt, a benefit that we have here in the United States, you can get that fixed rate debt for 30 years. After one year, you only owe the bank back 900K in inflation adjusted dollars and only 800K in inflation adjusted dollars after the second year. See, the, the bank doesn't ask to be repaid in real dollars adjusted for inflation. And of course, your tenants make that monthly payment for you. So you're actually benefiting because you borrow dollars, just like you wouldn't want to save dollars in inflationary times. Do the opposite and borrow dollars with fixed interest rate debt outsourced to the tenants. That's also called shorting the dollar. Have you ever heard a stock investor say, hey, I'm going to go uh, short this stock? If you short a stock, that means you're betting that that stock's going to go down. When you borrow for real estate, you're basically shorting the dollar. And that's a pretty safe bet. You're betting that the purchasing power of the dollar is going to go down. I mean, there aren't many sure things in investing, but that is almost a sure thing. You're shorting the dollar. So that's the second of the three in the inflation triple crown. That is called debt debasement. And the third is cash flow enhancement. Let's say in this third example, um, rents $1,000. Nationally, rents have actually gone up more than 11% lately, but let's just say it's 10% to stick with easy numbers. So let's say you're able to raise your rent on your tenant from $1,000 up to $1,100. So that's a 10% increase in the rent amount. But because again, you have the fixed interest rate debt, your mortgage principal and interest is fixed over time. So you actually feel a 2x to 3x cash flow increase, the money in your pocket, the rent income minus all of the expenses, that's cash flow enhancement. So with the inflation triple crown, you can do all three of these things at one time. Again, when you buy a property with a loan on an income producing asset, 
when you get that fixed interest rate debt. That's the inflation triple crown. You're actually profiting from inflation three ways at the same time with something durable and proven like real estate. Nothing speculative here. No, absolutely. And I really appreciate you sharing that. What would you advise new investors? Because there's a lot of new uh, new investors getting involved in and looking to get involved in real estate. Um, just uh, what would you advise them, uh, their approach to the market right now, um, especially in the single family where uh, where your focus is? What, what would you share with them to, to get started and to be aware of? Well, for those who want to get started, the worst news, you know, relates back to what I was talking about near the beginning of our chat is the low supply. It's very difficult to find inventory. You have to be patient. Sometimes you might have to work with an agent or a, a realtor that has some connections to buy what would be known as an off-market property. Um, you know, I think a lot of people think about property when they look at buying real estate, which is a natural thing to think about, but they actually want to think about the market drivers. The market's more important than the property because before you buy a rental single family home or a fourplex building, all right, well, you kind of buy it for the tenant that's probably already in there, but really you more so do it that you have the reasonable expectation that 18 months from now, when that property becomes vacant, that you'd be able to get another tenant in there. And, you know, a lot of these thriving metros in the United States, uh, South and Southeast, they're typically pretty good places. They have a good diversity of economic sectors and a growing population. But the point is, is those market forces are actually even more important than the property itself. So that's one thing that one wants to look out for. I mean, one can start out a few different ways once they think they found the right property. You could start out like I did. I didn't have much when I started out. An FHA loan with a 3.5% down payment, you can use that for a single family home, duplex, triplex, or fourplex. Some people think you can only use that for a single family home. So you can start with a bang like a fourplex, uh, with a fourplex like I did. With a VA loan, you can do that same thing with 0% down. Or finally, you can buy a, a way that I buy real estate now through turnkey real estate investing, where you can buy across state lines. And turnkey really means three things. You buy a property that's already renovated or it's new construction, a tenant's already been placed. And then thirdly, if you want, that turnkey company will manage it for you as well, buying across state lines with turnkey real estate investing. So those are some ways to get started and some things to, to look out for. Absolutely. And you have a um, a free course that you put out for real estate investors for folks that want to get started, right? Do you want to share a little bit more information about that? Yeah. If you want to learn more about the sorts of things that we talk about here, how to profit from inflation and even how to profit from debt and to profit from unconventional things, you can do that at the Get Rich Education podcast. You can even grab the Get Rich Education phone app to listen to the podcast our Get Rich Education YouTube channel, or, or you touched that at MC, my new five-part course, The Five Ways Real Estate Pays, one of which is inflation profiting, which I explained at getricheducation.com slash course. It's a video course divided into five parts. So each of the five videos average about 12 minutes. It's a total of one hour of content the real estate pays five ways at the same time. And it's not this type of course where I, I try to upsell you to another course later. And, and there's nothing wrong with those that do that, but that's not what this is. This is just free giving, free education on how real estate's made more ordinary people wealthy than anything else. And just breaking it down really simply and making it real at getricheducation.com slash course. Awesome. 
you're involved in a lot of different things, uh, Keith, and you also do some conferences and so forth. What are some of the things that you're excited about uh, for the rest of the year? Oh, an awful lot. Um, yeah, that, that course that I just told you about, because that's helping an awful lot of people. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the things the pandemic wrought, I'm appearing um, more remotely, I'm doing more things for Forbes, and I'm appearing on television a lot more. So yeah, in some of these videos, they see me dressed up a little bit better. It's funny, in television, this traditional media source, uh, yeah, sometimes you still, uh, it, it's funny how much uh, credibility that still gives in the world. I might have been saying the same thing on my podcast for years, but as soon as you come on and say it on television, say the same thing, people see you as an authority all of a sudden. Yeah, it's interesting. The media world is interesting, and you've been in it quite a while, and uh, we've been at it over here like six, six years now. So Time flies, I guess, when you're having fun. It's been interesting to see the land, uh, well, the, the world change a little bit, especially on the, on, the, on the media side from mainstream media, which most people now refer to sort of as dinosaur-ish media, yeah. to the podcast world to see where it is, right? Who would have thought we would have had a podcaster like Joe Rogan as a bigger audience than uh, the entire mainstream media combined? Yeah, you know what's funny, MC? When I launched the Get Rich Education podcast in 2014, and I've never missed a week of doing the show since then, I found myself trying to explain to people what a podcast was. Like, that yep. was a common thing I needed to explain. And it's funny, here in the year 2022, maybe uh, someone, a Gen Zer, might ask what a radio is, and I might actually say, oh, it's a podcast in a box. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a blast <laughs> having you on, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and just providing so much value for all of our listeners and viewers out there as you always do. I love that MC. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you to you, the listeners and the viewers for spending your most valuable resource, your time once again with us uh, on the show. Everything Cashflow Ninja is at cashflowninja.com, podcast, tools, resources, programs, and shameless plug for the, the book again, the 21 Best Cashflow Niches available on cashflowninja.com or amazon.com. Just screenshot, approve for your purchase, uh, and send it to my team at info at cashflowninja.com, and we'll give you access to all of the bonus goodies, the digital book, the audio book, and also curated library uh, where the ninjas discuss the niches. And by the way, single family turnkey was one of the niches featured in the book, um, Keith was speaking about it today, and, and one of his interviews is all, also available as part of the bonus section. So uh, appreciate all the support so far with that. Until next time, live infinitely. presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.